Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? Java. You're listening to Coding Blocks, Episode 6, Something About Link. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast apps, and be sure to give us reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, examples, discussions, and more, and send your feedback, questions, and rants and comments to comments at codingblocks.net. And with that, welcome to Coding Blocks. I'm Joe Zach. I'm Michael Outlaw. And I'm Alan Underwood. Today, we're talking about Link. But first, we got some feedback asking for some additional humor, uh, hence the Java joke. So, uh, in addition to that, we're also going to be playing a little drinking game today. So, every time Alan says, at the end of the day, grab your beer or your coffee, or if you're Ukrainian, you know, grab your vodka and take a sip. Right. So, additionally, uh, Ken wrote in, and he asked us if we could do an episode about Link or some other things. So, here we are. Uh, Ken, per your request, this whole episode is dedicated to Link. So, with that, let's start off with the question of what is Link? Anybody here care to take a gander? Yeah, it's that, that stuff with, like, the arrows and uh, the weird SQL syntax. It's got the, the select down in the bottom for no reason. And the uh, equal sign. I, I was trying to get more textbook than that, but, <laughs> yeah, we can go there, too. <laughs> uh, I'm candid person. Uh, okay, so well, I was just going to start off with just a, a, a definition of it being the language integrated query. Ah, uh, well, we, we can go to, you know, funny syntax. <laughs> I like the funny syntax. Yeah, the funny syntax is a little bit more easy to see. Uh, but no, it's actually a common interface for working with data. It's uh, it's well, kind it's of all about the data. Yeah, it is all about the data, and it's kind of a way to be able to write SQL type statements in C sharp, uh, to be able to query things like XML, file system objects, databases. Okay. You know, one one uh, expression that I heard for, that I liked about it, it referenced it as uh, code as data. It's also really well known for being for execution. It's also got this kind of cool fluent syntax where you can say stuff like dot where dot where dot take 15 and uh, it is known as a hinted at uh, strongly for its unconventional syntax yeah it's it's also a very elegant way to query and then iterate collections yeah there was a while we were you know coming up with some research in this episode and come up with the information for it i found this great quote that was on uh, stack exchange that said link enables you to write code that expresses the intent and not the mechanism and I really, I really liked that quote because it, it's so it's so true. If you think about it, when you write your code uh, in Link, you, you're you don't really care about the behind the scenes of uh, you know some additional types are being created or storage is being allocated for it or any delegates are being uh, created and uh, executed. What you just really care about is I want you to get this data from that data and return it and return back only this portion of it. Yeah, yeah, and that's really important. Like, like Alan said, it, it really abstracts away um, your data storage mechanism. So it provides a common interface, which means when I'm looking at my code, I don't know whether it's XML or SQL or file system or whatever. It just kind of looks like this logical, easy-to-read data. Yeah, in theory, you could actually take the exact same statement and point it to an XML file or point it to a SQL file, assuming that they have the same type entities that live in them, and it would work. And that's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and even better, I can actually take some stuff and that's in Excel or um, in XML and join it or do other stuff in combination with something out of a more traditional database. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so it, along those same veins, it, you were telling the compiler what to do and not how to do it. Uh, the the implementations, the link to sequels and that kind of thing, are what tells it how to do it. You were just telling it what you want it to do. Um, nice. And it's also hierarchical. So if you think about a uh, row set from a database, like if you're querying customers and orders and, and order line items, uh, typically what you're going to have is one row that has your customer information on it with the with the order information with a single line item, and that might get repeated for each line item. Well, with link, a lot of times, you actually get a customer object, and then dot orders will give you the order objects, and then dot line items will give you those. So you actually get a hierarchical view of the data, which is very nice. And it can also be fantastic for also building collections like XML documents or, or things like that. And this is probably one of the uh, lesser thought about features of Link because most people think about getting information and, and iterating through that information. Well, you could actually create a do an XML document pretty easily by creating a list and doing an add to the list and then converting that list into an XML using Link. So it's it's pretty pretty easy and uh, and and nice looking syntax to be able to do the same type thing that would have been nasty with like an XML uh, document builder. Absolutely. It's, it's actually starts looking a lot like regular old English. Uh, depending on who you talk to, there are a few people that aren't too, uh, too fond of the syntaxes, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. You don't actually have to take our word for this. Uh, there are actually some really high profile projects that make serious use of, usage of link and would look a lot different if link weren't around. Um, the big one is probably Entity. Um, good luck writing Entity without Link. Also, Mock, uh, which is a library that Ken mentioned in his message to us, it's used for um, for testing, and it makes uh, a big use of Link, and we're going to talk about that later in a later episode, actually. There's also a new aspect-oriented library that we just got familiar with um, called Aspectacular, which uh, makes a big use of Link. Uh, hold on, let me... I gotta stop saying usage. Hold on here. So, so I guess we should drink. Yeah, drink. Yeah, whenever Joe's wants to start over again, that's it's time to drink. <laughs> and like link to SQL, link to XML. Um, in addition to those, there's also some cool ones like link to S3 and, and link to Flickr that lets you treat those just like uh, I think link database. to Flickr is probably the most popular of all, right? <laughs> yeah. I hear a lot about that one. Yeah, maybe like ten years ago. It's more than entity. It's big. I still got a pro account. <laughs> So, uh, so what's so special about .NET to where we get link in .NET? That's a good question. I actually spent a lot of time trying to figure this out. So, if link's so awesome, why doesn't Java have it? And so, I, I did some researching and tried to figure out what it was exactly about .NET that that, that was so special. Do I need to go back to my not not tip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're kind of hating on Java today and other days. And... Uh, <laughs> The kind of the parable that I'd heard about Link was that someone kind of stood at a whiteboard and they're like, this is what I want code to look like. And they wrote this stuff out and then they kind of reverse engineered it from there to, to figure out how to make it work. But uh, what I thought was really cool when I was researching this is that there's no one magical cool thing about Link. It's actually a combination of a bunch of different features. And you'll probably hear us get a little tied up talking about this on the podcast sometimes because it's hard to distinguish sometimes between the features that make up Link and Link as a whole. And so for the next little bit, we're going to talk about the actual parts independently. So so do you mean like, for example, uh, the Lambda expressions in Link? 
Right. That is actually a, a Lambda expression is not link. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. You can actually do something weird like, say, set var x equals, um, you know, parentheses, that weird arrow sign, um, you know, console.write line. And what you're really doing is just uh, the C Sharp compiler is providing you a shortcut syntax for writing a delegate. And that's the real key here is right. being able to use delegates in C Sharp. And I think that's part of like what also makes this conversation uh, just in general when you're when you're talking amongst developers, sometimes it it kind of makes the conversation get sidetracked because so often uh, you find when you t- try to have a conversation about link, lambdas come on come into the conversation. And, and for those of you who don't know what a lambda is. It's that, and believe me, I it was like a black hole the first time I saw one. I, I had no idea what I was looking at, and I got lost for hours trying to figure out what in the world was going on. But it's the equal sign with a greater than afterwards. And all that means is this goes into. So that is a lambda operation. Uh, so Yeah, I mean, I, I've tried to like come up with ways to explain that to people over and over, but you know, the goes to is, is one that I've seen over and over, but... Uh, you know, another way I've seen it is like whatever's on the left is the, are the you know, think of it as if you go back to just a generic uh, delegate type definition, right? Whatever's on the left are the parameters that are going to be passed into the function on the right. Yep, exactly. Yep, it's just a completely new way of looking at it. It's, it's a totally different syntax, and it is it is hard to read at first. I, I admit. I love it now because it's so concise, and like Alan said, uh, it's expressive, so you can say a lot with a little. But the first time you're seeing that that kind of crazy arrow, it's uh, it's a bit disjointing. Yeah. So then, so then, if this is a conversation about link, and we're talking about the this crazy lambda syntax, then what exactly is the link part that we're talking about? That's just the query language, right? That's the uh, that's your expression. In its purest form, yeah, yeah. So the lambda so is an the portion would be the uh, the lambda is really I would I would classify it as the. Um, you don't actually have to use a lambda in a regular link expression, right? You can you can literally say from some collection where this predicate's there, and that's it. So 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 let's break that down a little bit more. Let's say we have a a uh, list type. Right, and uh, we'll call that list, uh, you know, my list, and we could just say from uh, my list from from M mm-hmm. in my list select, uh, you know, some element. Right. right. Okay. So, uh, so so then it's more like the a SQL like query syntax that's built into it. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's no lambda there. There was no None equals that greater None than. Because I'm trying to be clear about like you know, e- even when we were trying to put together, uh, you know, some some material for this show, you know, we would come across elements back and forth, right? So in that example, there there was no lambda in it. Um, but getting back to the delegate thing that he talked about, the important part here is that entire thing is really a delegate. Yep, and it's funny we are we actually already slipped up because the lambda and query syntax are specific to the compiler, so those aren't features of the CLR, the Common Language Runtime. Delegates, yes. So F Sharp can have access to delegates. Visual Basic can have access to delegates, but those specific compilers would have to build in the support for 
converting that Lambda and query syntax over to the delegate syntax underneath the covers. Cool. And uh, I, I think what Michael was kind of um, getting onto there is that um, if we didn't have the Lambda and query syntax, we could still have a link. It would be a little bit uglier, but that is just a small piece of, of the pie. So, so I'll throw this question out there then. Behind the scenes, so you have these uh, this from m in uh, my list example that we gave, right? Behind the scenes, what do you think is happening? So uh, there's these things called um, delegates, func, action, and predicate. These are methods that are delegates, so they act as function pointers, and they also take in generic parameters and output generic parameters. So it's a really big abstract way of saying that these are totally general methods. So uh, we touched on uh, another feature of the CLR there, which is actually just anonymous types of methods. But really, there's nothing so special about those. Those are really just kind of delegates. And um, we also talked about the function, action, and predicate methods or delegates. And those wouldn't be possible without generics. So there is one other thing for the for the CLR, and we don't want to talk about it too much here because it's kind of a black hole. But uh, there's also these things called expression trees, which let you treat your code as data. So just to recap, for the CLR features, we've got delegates, generics, anonymous types and methods, um, the func, action, predicate, and then expression trees. Yep. And I don't think that you could have link without any one of these things. No, it definitely uses all of them heavily. Right, and and next up we've got what I kind of categorize as like the C sharp features, and these are things that are nice. This is the sugar, but you could live without any one of these things. And the first is the lambda create nope. lambda create cannot live without it. That's true. It would be rough. I, I've grown way too attached. Yeah, <laughs> I do have a special fondness in my heart. I may have fallen in love with the method. I'm just saying. <laughs> and which one would that is there be? A song about that. <laughs> There's also a uh, type inference, um, which is like the basically the var keyword you normally think of it. But uh, one thing about Java 1.8 that's coming up, they've got some lambda functions coming, but they don't have type inference. So hmm. whereas we can just say parentheses x arrow x dot do something, they've got to say like string x arrow x dot do something. Nice. And uh, so it's adding a big ugly word right there in the middle. Hmm. And so technically we don't need it, but it's really ugly without it. Yeah, it, it really makes your code a lot more readable when you just put var in there. There's no doubt. Yep. Well, not only that, but I mean, going back to like previous shows where we've talked about, uh, you know, interfaces and, and generics and, and just the whole concept around like just trying to keep your code loose. Yeah. You know, not having to explicitly define that type and just let that be decided at runtime is so much nicer. Yeah. Yeah, specific to link, I always end up changing stuff from I list to I enumeral back to list and over and over again. And it's nice that I don't have to go and change anywhere that I reference it because I'm varring it all over the place and they've all got pretty much the methods that I need to use anyway. Right. Now, there's one other feature of the C-sharp compiler that I identify, which is basically extension methods. And uh, really all extension methods do is they, they rewrite the method that you type on your object uh, as this kind of like a static class dot do static method and so it's really just a you know some a sugary way of, of doing stuff and the actual um major link methods that we think of like with the dot where and the dot for each are actually all implemented as extension methods 
which we could live without. You know, we could have had a I, oh, sorry, not an I, an innumerable class that implemented this stuff. And if you wanted to use Link, then you could inherit from that. But then, you know, as we talked about specifically in the interface episode, you only get one parent. So you really don't want to tie that up if you don't have to. Yep. And so the next thing we're going to jump into, like, what are the different types that you can get back from a link query? And there's really two main ones. You have I enumerables and I queryables. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So, Weighing in in this corner. <laughs> and a hefty 10 characters. <laughs> I queryables. So uh, this, was, this was an interesting topic of discussion b- before we actually started recording the podcast because it, it's, it's a little difficult to describe some of these things just outright in words. And, and one of the things that we realized pretty quickly. But we're going to use our words. We are going to use our <laughs> words. And the one thing we found real quickly is just saying something slightly slightly different can mean, you know, worlds different when, when we're describing these things. So uh, we're going to talk about I enumerable first, and then we'll talk about the difference. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of compare and contrast what happened. So, so let's take what he said earlier. So you have from M in uh, my list. And then let's say, uh, I don't know, let's do orders because that's just easier. Okay. From from O in orders where order total greater than $50. All right. So you have that. You can return that as an I enumerable. You can return it as an I queryable. On the surface, they both have the same exact syntax. And essentially, if that was the only thing you were ever going to do with them, they would both act exactly the same. And and we're going to talk right now in terms of database because this is where you can really uh, demonstrate the difference between an I enumerable and an I queryable. So if if that was your only statement ever from O in orders where order total greater than fifty dollars, these are we selecting, huh? What are we? Selecting? And we're going to select order, right? So now pretty much that's going to be deferred. The first time you go to use that. On either one of those, if you never had any other statement reference other than like maybe doing a two list or something, then they would both act exactly the same. Where it gets interesting is when you get into I queryable. So, so let's say ten lines later. Yes, we still have this var that has your from statement, mm-hmm. and we'll call that my orders. Okay, we have var my orders equals from o in orders. Where o dot order total greater than fifty, select order. Yep. Right. Okay. Now let's say ten line later we want to reference this my orders var, and we want to do a dot where on it. This is where i enumerable versus i queryable gets interesting. Absolutely. Okay. So in the case of the i enumerable, like Alan said, uh, it wasn't. Hasn't been executed yet, but now we do the dot where, and however many orders are in that table are going to come back. Yep. So if you got a thousand of them, you're getting a thousand rows back. You're going to get you're going to execute a SQL statement that's going to get all of those orders and bring them back, and then in memory, whatever your line later, uh, your dot where was, that's where that's going to get applied. But now, isn't that one of the big selling points of entity? Is that it's supposed to be smarter than that? And it's only supposed to fetch the stuff that it needs. Well, entity actually does return I queryable. So it does that for you behind the scenes. So the difference is if we're talking about link to SQL purely and you're returning, you're telling it you want an I enumerable back oh, instead of an I queryable, 
Um, and you could actually cast it as a die innumerable. You actually, when you do his next dot where, so first we said, give me all orders that were, what we say, greater than $50? Greater than 50 All right, so now let's say that out of that subset, we want to say, hey, well, we want to look at all the orders that were just over $100, right? Or, or better yet, we want to find the orders that, that were placed by Alan. Okay, so now we're going to say, from O in my orders, where, where customer name equals Alan, so the I enumerable at that point is actually going to go get back all the orders that were greater than $50 from that first statement. So if there were a thousand orders in the system that were over $50, you just got all thousand of those things back. And now you're going to loop over all thousand of those to find out where the customer name is on. With an I queryable where this is just beautiful is that is actually going to say, okay, well, they're actually trying to pull from that original one. And now they're trying to add another uh, another where clause to it. iQueryable is smart enough to say, okay, I'm not going to go to the database and get those original thousand orders back. I'm going to say, okay, let's append to this where clause and say, okay, where it was just order total is greater than $50. Now it's going to be where order total is greater than $50 and customer name equals Alan. And it's still not going to execute the query until you go to use it. I mean, if you're lucky, it'll sound that easy. It'll probably be something like extent one brackets. Oh, burn. And, <laughs> and that is a good point. It's it's really up to the library writer to make that happen. Yes. So there's no real magic about iQueryable. And for me, part of the big confusion that, that comes along is that iQueryable actually implements iEnumerable. So it's fair for you to say that, hey, Entity returns me an iEnumerable, but it's doing the smarter stuff under the cover. What the heck? But it's really because the iQueryable implements, but does not extend, iEnumerable. It seems like it's an insignificant thing, but it can have huge impact on performance at the end of the day. It, oh, Jesus. Everybody drink. <laughs> drinky, drinky. <laughs> so um, it, it is a very important feature to be aware of. If you're doing iEnumerables, just be aware that it is deferred rendering, but the first time you go to use it, it's going to get back that first result. With the iQueryable, it'll try and stack on. And this goes back to what Joe mentioned a minute ago about the expression trees, where iQueryables keep building that expression tree. Uh, the iEnumerables do not. So if you go to use that variable, it's going to it's going to execute the original query. Now, I mean, there was one statement in here that that I liked. Though, now, you, know, you can argue whether or not you agree with it or not, but it was among the notes that we found. You know, iEnumerable is best to query data from in-memory collections like lists and arrays, while iQueryable is best to query data from out-of-memory uh, collections like remote databases and services. Yeah, I think that that actually sounds pretty... I thought, I thought that summed it up That's uh, pretty, pretty well. Yeah. yeah, For the way I've kind of justified it to myself, which may be wrong, but the way I think about it is iQueryable, the point really is to generate a query, whether it's for SQL or XML or whatever. It's supposed to generate that this thing that's going to go and get my data. Mm-hmm. Whereas iEnumerable, I, I tend to think of it more along the building block kind of level, like this method does this, this method does that, and it, it's all kind of happening in my code. Whereas iQueryable is using these weird expression trees. Yeah, iQueryable generally builds the statement that's going to be issued to whatever the remote thing is, whether it's a database or whatever. The, like Joe just said, the other is kind of just going through a step-by-step process, right? Right, so like iEnumerable exists to to loop through my stuff and filter it and and do a lot of other stuff. But iQueryable, really the point is to do all that other stuff, but also the main deal is really to generate that, like, like that SQL query for Entity, for example. Absolutely. 
So um, hopefully that isn't too incredibly confusing, and and hopefully we've somewhat summarized that to a point to where you know it at least makes a little bit of sense, especially if you listen to it like twenty more times. Maybe yeah. By the fifth time we've talked through this uh, scenario, we've gotten much more civil about it. So <laughs> that's, that's something. I, I'm not saying that anyone threw down. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we might have. Uh, you know. Might have been a little heated. Not, not seeing eye to eye. <laughs> Actually, the great part is we were all arguing, but we were all coming to the same exact conclusion. So it was it was entertaining. Uh, sorry you missed it. It's it's tough to talk about Link intelligently. <laughs> we're proving that. Uh, yeah. Speaking of. Um, Thanks. <laughs> we're coming right. to our, our tough questions section um, where we're going to kind of talk about some of the just the, the kind of the weird little corners of Link. Um like deferred execution. So what do we mean by deferred execution? We we kind of hinted at a little bit where um you know you can you can have your uh your collection and then kind of say dot where then dot where then first. And none of that stuff actually happens until you actually need that data. So like in this example the first would do it, but it's not actually going to loop through and do your work until it needs to, which is really nice uh in cases where you know, you don't need that stuff or you want to keep adding on conditions. You're not doing anything inefficiently, but it's also kind of tricky. Yeah. I mean, if you're not aware, uh, unaware, geez, if you're not aware of the deferred, then I actually had this happen the first, you know, time I was working with link. So I'm like, why am I not getting data back? Something's yeah. wrong with this. And I didn't realize that, it? that it was just, you know, it was waiting for me to actually do something with it. And you'll see a lot of times, for better or for worse, a lot of people just throw a dot two list on the end of a link query so that it forces the eager loading and turns it into something that you can use. And, you know, maybe that's fine in most cases, but I wasn't aware of it. And so I'm just over there, you know, yelling at my computer, thinking that there's something absolutely wrong when I just was not aware that it was not loading it because I hadn't used it yet. Right. And I actually ran into this just a, just a little bit ago today. Because uh, I wrote some code that was doing some stuff, and I knew that it was the whole point of the code I was trying to check out was to to kind of see what happened when it did evaluate. And here I am stepping through the debugger, like, "What? What the heck? Nothing wrote out the console," and uh, it was embarrassing, and I shouldn't have shared. <laughs> Do you feel better? <laughs> might or might not have been in preparation for this, <laughs> right? But um, one thing specifically that was a big help for me uh, researching this episode whether you can tell or not, was uh, actually the book C-Sharp In-Depth. And uh, that was written by the uh, amazing John Skeet. And he gave this awesome example in the book of streaming. And he talked about sequences. And so what that meant to me in reference to deferred execution is if you see something, um, you know, my orders dot where uh, today and where order value greater than 500, it, like when you read it, it makes it sound like you take your orders you get the ones from today, then you get the ones that are great, greater than 500. But if that were the case, then deferred execution wouldn't matter. As soon as you slap that where on it, it happened, and the the outcome is the same. However, because of this deferred execution, we can actually do something a little cooler, which is basically stream the items, which means we can say, take that first order. Was it today? No. All right, take the next order. Was it today? Yes. Was it greater than 500? Yes. So yield that output. So it's really this deferred execution that lets us kind of add stuff on later and get the benefit via the streaming. 
Oh, you just mentioned something that that completely slipped my mind. The whole reason iQueryable works the way it does is the yield statement. And I had completely forgotten about this, but um, and it's been quite a while since I even remember looking at yield. But it basically means return to this after or return to the next line after you're done with a, a chunk of uh, code. And that is actually how iQueryable functions. The The reason that it doesn't um, eager load everything is because it uses that yield statement um, in its implementation. So, Yeah, and the yield's really cool because it kind of keeps track of where it is. So it's taking care of a lot of stuff for you that you don't need to. Yeah, so uh, moving on from there. Sorry about that. Uh, ah, that reminds me. So... Speaking of um, these kind of uh, greedy operators that actually force the evaluation and force that execution, uh, if you guys are using ReSharper, uh, well, first of all, if you guys aren't using ReSharper, you, you probably ought to be. I, I swear I've learned more from ReSharper than I have in uh, you know, a million blog posts and Stack Overflow questions, but ReSharper is awesome. But anyway, um, if you've got ReSharper, sometimes there are some kind of strange little squigglies that will show up uh, when you're dealing with the link. Uh, particularly the one I'm talking about is the multiple enumerations. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've talked about this one before. I think we have. We have. <laughs> yeah. This one, will, uh, this one will get you. Right. And so and what that what's letting you know is that you could actually be forcing that execution twice. And I'm really glad that ReSharper lets me know, even though a lot of times I either don't care or I don't think that's happening. But uh, it is nice to know that if I do a dot count and then a dot for each, that if I've got a query backing my collection then i could be executing that twice i yeah. am executing that twice or even if you're doing uh if you're doing in memory no actually if you're only doing the query that's the only time that happens because it has to go back and get the data right well it'll complain about it uh, i mean if it's an if it's an i enumerable it doesn't never care like what the source of that is it's just saying like hey it, it's it's you're potentially it's warning you that there's the possible uh you know multiple enumerations right and so the key it's just a warning the key takeaway from this is if you need the count you should probably go ahead and iterate over that collection one time and do whatever you need to do to that data and get the count at the same time and then that way you're only hitting it once or maybe you shouldn't be using an enumerable if you didn't need to good point there too was that your case joe uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> well, uh, actually, the whole thing with deferred execution, I see that as being a trade-off between like really great performance and predictability. There's definitely some weird stuff. And um, one of the weirdest things that I remember seeing, or maybe it's not that weird if, if you know what, what you're doing, but uh, is uh, I actually had cleaned up the DB context in, it, in an entity um, situation. And... So I, I did my open context, I did my get stuff, and then I closed context and, you know, returned my, my um, iQueryable. And then later I tried to use that data. I tried to loop through it, and lo and behold, the context had been closed. Does not exist. Does not exist. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And it's one of those things where it's like, I know about link. I know about <laughs> deferred execution. I know, I know not to do this. And then I spent a half hour trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah, it can be frustrating, too. I mean, if we're specifically talking about entity, uh, the beauty of iQueryable is also one of the frustrating things is you actually have to have almost like a, a wrapper DB context to be able to use it properly. Like, if you're trying to return an iQueryable from one place and then use that in another place, you can't throw your iQueryable into a using statement in your original case because when it gets returned out, the context is gone. So you can no longer stack on top of it, which is exactly what Joe's talking about. 
but it almost defeats the purpose of using iQueryable in the first place. So don't use using. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it open. Um, no, I'm pretty sure that's not the takeaway. We said more jokes, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Do we drink? <laughs> well, at the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day. So uh, at the end of the day, the land of syntax is superior. It's far superior. Oh, let's not go there. Whoa, yeah, I think <laughs> I think we're onto something there. All right, so yeah. so there's definitely going to be a boxing match in this one because huh. I, I'm in love with what they call the uh, comprehensive language, which looks like SQL. You know, I would be down with the comprehension language if and only if that select statement could go first, like it should. But no, 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 no. It can't. It can't go first because it doesn't SQL. No, well, yeah, but you have the same problem in SQL that you have if it went first, and that's I have no problems. That's that you would have no type ahead support. <laughs> you have to it had the it the the compiler needs to know or the the dev environment needs to know what you're going to be selecting from in order for the type ahead to work. Ooh, oh, yeah, fair enough. So, so fair the enough. select statement has to be last. But, but that still doesn't do anything for the lambda versus comprehension, right? That that doesn't matter. Well, that's all the more reason why. I, now, I mean, now we're supporting my lambda case. So. <laughs> yeah, we don't right. have to worry about this crazy SQL syntax. All right, all right. Let's, 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 yeah, there's no t- there's no tab completion if we don't know what we're getting it from. Yeah, I uh, I'm on board with that. I, I'm with that, but you still don't need lambda for that. Uh, well, maybe not, but it's still my preference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's readable. I actually do a mixture of the two. I know Outlaw C my code. That's Joe's probably has as well. But like, I love the whole idea of from O in orders, and then if I want to do a join, I just say from O I in order items, and then dot where, which is my clause. Now I say O I dot order ID equal O dot order ID. And then, so basically, I've got the best of both worlds now. I've got the comprehension syntax mixed in with my lambda. It's just beautiful. Okay, but okay, so that's that's fine and great. And and I'll 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 give in on that one. That if I'm if I'm writing queries that I want to go against database. So so we're talking more entity related. No, just more links to SQL because if you're doing true entity. You should actually just be doing object joins. You really shouldn't even be doing that much on like query language. Uh, okay. Well, let's just let's just put it to if I if I'm doing if I'm doing a query from a, a database, then fine. The query syntax I'm okay with. But what about if it's not database related? What if it's just like lists and collections of t- some types that? Comprehension with Lambda. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm Lambda all the way. How, no, how? I got to say, you know, Alan may mix his tabs and spaces, but, uh, you know, he's got me on the join. Joins and links and tags are miserable. Uh, every once in a while, I look them up. I'm like, there's got to be a good way of doing this. And, and I end up just going to uh, the dark side and writing the, the comprehension style. But mixing is just weird. Oh, mixing is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. I'll tell you what. In a blog post I'll put up, I'll show you the three different ways to do it, and then you can decide. And I guarantee you're going to pick mine. Oh, I've got a feeling I'm going to be wrong here. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm almost afraid. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a thing of art. All right. So, well, obviously, you know, we mentioned one do- downside of uh, of Link, which was the comprehension syntax. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> are there any other downsides or, or things you guys should be aware of? Well, actually, hold up. B- before we move on from there, uh, I will say, though, as much as I love the comprehensive, there are things that you can't do with that that you can do with lambdas, right? Like if you have a function that's doing some sort of mathematical operator or, or some sort of 
you know, needs to return something crazy. You can't do that because with comprehensive syntax, you have select, you have where, you have from, you have you have various keywords that are baked into it. But outside of that, if you need to do anything special, you pretty much have to use a lambda. So I think what you're saying is the lambda syntax is superior. If you mix it in with comprehensive, but if you mix it with comprehensive, you can take over the world. So I mean, Um, I don't, I didn't get that part. We got to see the blog post. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have to get that together. Um, so yes, moving on. All right, so some downsides. What what might be some downsides? Yeah, I mean, uh, so one of the things that you find especially if you're a performance freak like I am when I when I first started writing link one of the things that really bugged me and outlaw made an allusion to this a minute ago with the uh what was it, it god what entity or it wasn't entity expression or or whatever it spits out in the query oh the extent the extent yeah. oh my yeah. oh wow so extent one from extent two yeah join on extent yeah with 20 sub queries like it, it can be really disgusting See, and this is where the comprehension language like like i think that kind of falls apart because like if you write uh well i guess specifically to entity uh, a, a a from statement and you try to do a join on that and you use the join keyword. Yes, it's horrible. You will get some of the grossest SQL yes. spit out of that thing that you've ever seen. I agree. Now, it may work. I'm not going to argue that it, that it doesn't work. But is there a more efficient way to write that more often, that SQL statement? Yeah, more often than not, that's not the way you would have written it. Yeah, it's interesting. So, like, that's one of the things that, that really kind of bugged me and, and was almost a barrier of entry for me because I'm a fan of SQL and I love databases. So when I got into this and I saw the SQL it was writing out, like, I, I think I had some short circuits in my brain. And so I ended up starting doing this, like, 10 different ways to find out what actually wrote SQL like I do. And, and so that's one of the big things that I wanted to point out is – you can't just go willy-nilly writing this stuff and not thinking about the impact that it might have. So if you're doing large inserts, like I actually ran into a problem with this at one point where I was doing an insert where I was moving thousands of records from one place to another. Depending on how you write your link statement and and the, uh, and the whatever extensions that you use at, at the end of that can really determine whether or not it's doing 2,000 inserts or it's doing one insert with a bulk copy over so um, you really need to be aware of what you're doing behind the scenes. So you probably want to run something like SQL Query Profiler behind the scenes if yeah. you're doing anything special. Yeah, I was going to say, it almost makes it like uh, you almost really want to run a profiler or at the bare minimum uh, run through the deb- debugger and see what the actual uh, query is going to look like just so you can see, like, uh, does it pass the gross, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, what, what what's the gross factor of the query that it spits out? You know, absolutely. Spelling. Yeah, it it can be it can be disgusting, and it's something that you need to pay attention to. If only there was a tool that would let me write my SQL syntax, and then it would convert it over to link syntax. Hmm. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if you find one, uh, yeah. So, one of the other things that um is is something to be aware of is. If you are if you are working on highly transactional systems like in SQL Server, one of the things you might use is with no lock on a table, so that you're not locking the rows when you're reading, inserting, updating that kind of thing. And so that's that's a nice helper in SQL Server to keep the table from being locked down from doing other other reads. Uh, you cannot really control that at a granular level 
if you're doing something like link to SQL or entity, you might be able to do it on the entire set, but you won't be able to do it on on an individual table basis. So I do find that like it seems, and maybe this is just me. So you know, feel free to write in and and argue your point if you disagree. But like, uh, if I'm if I'm going to do SQL, if I want to do a, some kind of a, a database query in Link. If they're simple, then it's okay. But the more complex it gets, then that's where it seems like it still isn't quite there yet. Yeah, it can break down. You got any thoughts on that, Joe? CTEs. Yeah, absolutely. Try and do a recursive query in a in a link. <laughs> and yeah. don't tell me extension methods because that's cheating. It's not the same thing. <laughs> you're not building a CTE. You're now basically doing what we said earlier where you're pulling back data and then you're going back and getting more data and going back and getting more data. So um, right. you can't actually take advantage of the beauty that is a hierarchical CTE in SQL Server. Yeah. Yep. So um, uh, what did we have? Oh, uh, another one. And this one kind of bit me when I first started doing this. So Web API, uh, anything that's returning stuff, uh, you pretty much need to be aware of that deferred execution. So if you're not too listing it or or forcing some sort of eager load like a first, uh, you're going to get some nasty errors saying basically like you can't do this. Well, this goes back to Joe's example of uh, it already being his DB context already being disposed it's of gone. by the time uh, he actually wanted to run that Ike variable. <laughs> and that's the and same exact you thing. You need that connection. That's the same exact yep. thing that happens. You return it. You think it's all good. You could even call the code, you know, within yours, and it works fine. But as soon as you, that web request is essentially killing that thing, mm-hmm. so it's saying, "Hey, you can't run this. You already closed it." So you will run into many a great headaches if you are not fully aware of your deferred execution. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, one thing I'm really guilty of with Link is. Um, for some reason, when I'm doing a full reach, I don't have a problem checking if my stuff is null, right? It just kind of makes sense, like loop over something. If it's not null, do it, whatever. But once I start doing that stuff in like a, a for each or a, or a where, suddenly for me, those null checks go right at the window. You'll never see me writing code like my orders dot where x is not null and <laughs> x dot date is today. As I don't even think about it because I'm I, I'm starting to think about the code logically. And I'm forgetting about, you know, the kind of code underneath and what kind of crap I might have in my in my list. See, I, I can't say that I've done it, and, and maybe we'll come to, back to this in, in a minute, but I definitely have done that a lot. Checking the um, holes? Yeah. There's, yep. there's, there's a lot of, and, I, and I'll, I'll give you some examples in a moment, but um, specifically as a downside to Link, you know, there was another example that I ran into, and this is, again... You know, we're talking about querying, uh, you know, with entity. Um, one one gotcha that has definitely bitten me is that if you needed to do any kind of date math in your query, uh, it'll compile. You can write it. It'll it'll look beautiful. It'll be exactly what you want. But uh, when you go to run, you'll get a runtime error. And so what I mean by date math is let's say like you were just wanted to get the orders from the last 10 days. And so you did a, a date time dot now dot add days minus 10, right? It cannot handle that. <laughs> now what you have to do in that situation is have a separate, uh, variable that has that, uh, you know, that has that expression already saved in it, that date already saved in it. And then you could, so like, for example, if you did, a uh, var my date equals date time dot now dot add days minus 10. And then in your, um, 
your from statement, you know, from from O in orders where uh, O dot order date uh, greater than my date, that'll work just fine. And you can pass that date in and it'll work fine. But if you are you want to do any date math in it, no, you'll get a runtime error. <laughs> and that one's bit me a couple times because it just looks so right. It does. <laughs> Um, oh, speaking of the the kind of null checks and, and this kind of um, multi-statement stuff like that that Michael was kind of talking about, um, one thing I think is gross is if you come in and you've got a statement that's going through and getting the, the orders for today, oh, now I want to add the null check in there. So I add that there. Oh, now I want to add some logging. And so now that's when I start adding the brackets in there so I can do multiple lines and like a for each or a dot where. And at that point, uh, you know, I, I was going for readability now I've got this kind of like weirdo monster thing with like brackets and it's not really a loop. It's happening at once, but it just gets kind of ugly. And the whole point of link is to deal with the stuff simply. And so there, yeah, link can get pretty nasty, pretty I, fast. Bleh. That's what we should. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever seen like a, you know, a four each with like 20 lines in it, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Ugh. And uh, also, uh, one thing that, that kind of gets me sometimes I forget about is uh, two lists creates a copy of the list, which isn't a big deal, but it's just uh, sometimes it's really convenient. If you get an enumerable back and you want to do something that's specific to lists on it or iList, then you end up calling two list uh, pretty often. It, and, and I'm not even sure what function it is in the list that I want so bad, but it seems like I'm frequently calling two list and creating copies of my stuff all over the place. And that that is forcing the execution as well. So with that, I want to play a little game here. Uh, we, we, we've done this once before back in uh, our, our source control episode. So now let's do it here. A never have I ever. So I'll start it off with my Lambda expressions are always just a few lines. <laughs> oh, I think I just admitted to that. <laughs> <Out of love. laughs> no. So, so, uh, so you're guilty. What about you, Alan? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've got pages of them. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. Null, che- null checks are a slippery slope. I can definitely think of one, uh, as an example where, um, it, it, in my defense, this was a, a, a read, a get only property. And, uh, it, uh, m- you know, by design, I meant for it to, um, you know, execute some code, but it, that Lambda ex- expression, uh, it definitely was on, you know, it took the screen <laughs> to basically see the whole thing. Uh, we're talking about like a 2560 resolution screen. No, fortunately, fortunately, it wasn't anything crazy like that. It was just a you know a 1080p screen. So it's not it's not too insane in terms of computer screens. But uh, yeah, it, it took the whole the whole screen to be able to see the entirety of it. But um, it happens. Yeah. yeah, I'm bad about that. All right, so next. My lambda expressions are never mixed with comprehension, and vice versa. Never. That should be the rule. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy talk. Period. Alan's turning bright red right now. <laughs> He's so embarrassed. I mean, like, like I said, outside of outside of doing entity, I mean, it, okay, if we're talking entity, okay, fine. But outside of that, I just I don't find myself doing that. That often. you're not joining enough. Why even use link at that point, right? Well, I just I just find myself Ooh. doing the the. Using the extension methods in the lambdas more often that I'm not using the link syntax specifically in that scenario. 
Yeah, I feel like I'm setting an artificial boundary for myself there, but you, know, <laughs> you guys will catch on. Don't worry. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> All right. So, okay, so now that I have linked to SQL, I never, ever have to write use SQL directly again, ever. I like SQL. I'm What's wrong with SQL? Yeah, I'm a fan of SQL. It's, it's hard so, to do. So, so then we all agree we still write SQL even though we've got link to especially SQL to do it for those, us. Especially when you got those CTEs. Yeah. yeah, especially with the recursive CTEs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate data tables. I'm sorry. <laughs> or, or even another example that, that I have here is uh, if you wanted to select into and then query a temp table, that's another problem problematic area. Yeah. Um, you know, where sometimes it's just more efficient and easier to just write the SQL statement. Yep. Whether whether you do that in your code or whether you have a stored proc that does it for you. How are you going to do something like a row number function in SQL Server? Would you even be able to do it? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, like if you're going to try and do a paging data set and you wanted rows 100 through 150. I know you can do, uh, you know, you can say take and all that, but, you know, CTs and row numbers are pretty effective ways of doing things. Is there anyone in our audience who can do this? We'd love to see it. Yeah. I don't think it could be done. Prove me wrong. <laughs> and and then we promise we won't copy and paste that code. <laughs> All right. So so how about this one? I've never written my first version of a for each or for loop only to refactor it as a link slash lambda expression. I've done this and I don't know why. Oh, I do it all the time. So, it, oh my it god. Refactor is the reason. Or re uh, resharper, geez. Uh oh yeah. Well that happens so often like because just in my mind, there will be times where I'll, I'll write it out and I'll just think, well, you know what? I have this and I, for all of these, I just want to loop through these. And so I'll just kind of write it out the way I'm thinking through it as I'm talking through it in my mind. And then ReSharper will complain and say, yeah, you could actually redo this better as a link expression. Yeah, and they're right, usually. <laughs> they are right, yeah. But what's weird about it is like if, if I'm right-clicking and like, what does it say about me if I'm refactoring this as a link expression? It's like I couldn't think it to make it. So uh, presumably it's not as readable either, and here I am doing it. <laughs> now, I will say this, though, on the inverse. I've definitely taken one of my comprehension queries and said, convert to a lambda, and then I'm like, undo, control Z. <laughs> this is <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> just just a note. Yeah. I will, yeah. So uh, what about an egregious use of two list? I do it. I'm really bad. Richard will tell me, like, hey, this could be an innumerable, and I'll do it, and then later I'll need it as a list, and later I'll need it as a list, and later I'll need it as a list. <laughs> and I'm just too list crazy all over the place. Man, the lists are so awesome. But what about if you used a list instead of an innumerable? Okay, so I do that when I get tired of doing two list, two list, two list, and then I just feel as bad as I'm like. So, so one problem can't... cascades into the other. Yeah, so what is it about list? Why do I need a list instead of innumerable? What am I, I doing so wrong? I think I think what your pro- your problem could be solved here is that if in your your method declaration, if you could use the var keyword yes. as the as the signature of the method, then you'd be okay. Oh yeah, it's for each. That's what it is. I am addicted to for each. But you can do that with a non-enumerable. Uh, but you only want to do it once, right? Uh, can you do it with a non-enumerable? Yeah. <laughs> I, 
Sorry, Googling. I don't understand the difference. Uh, yeah, I, I got lost on what the question was. Yeah, you, maybe I'm wrong. If not, I don't need to be doing... Well, no, the, the difference, though, is if you have a list and you and you iterate over it with four each, then it's only going to... It's not going to go back to the database if you're using an entity or something. But if you're using I enumerable, it will keep pulling from the database. So it'll keep pulling, but there is no for each method. You cannot say my enumerable dot for oh, each. Dot oh, for I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking for what Alan each. was thinking. Yeah, I was saying like right. for each var in blah blah. blah. Yeah, okay. No, okay. I'm talking about the for each method. I am addicted to for each method. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Do you feel better? <laughs> yeah, that's out there now. That's uh, that was going to last. So what about uh, egregious casting? So uh, this yeah. one, this one, I have done this so many times. Like, I'm not so bad on like this. if I have a okay, so here's the example: is like I'm 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 working on some uh, you know older code, and for whatever reason, it, you just can't change the type. So to deep down in it, it, it's using an array of something, and uh, and I'll do like a dot cast, and then uh, you know cast it as as the actual type that I know that it is in there, and then start doing additional you know run have some big lambda that runs after that yeah i've actually done some gross stuff where it's like i'll, I'll just need to do a simple where on like a array list and i'm like oh, i could live through it and just do it or i could convert it to a list <laughs> and just cast it over to i feel, feel like two list, two list is coming back up <laughs> and all of a sudden uh, i've done all this extra work but i've got it down to one line of code <laughs> all right so what about uh fallen in love with a link method <sighs> default if empty default my, if empty my favorite it's like a live join that's all yeah. it is of course of course alan would bring in a database <laughs> example <laughs> i love uh, first or default i i want the first element and if it's not there give me no i don't want an exception i don't want to have to check the link oh Just god i hate give that. me what you got but but this goes against your null checking principle that because well, now if you did like a first uh, a dot first or default and then a dot something else it's going to fail. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's true, but I'm okay with the fail. So what would it normally <laughs> Cuz I got to try around it. <laughs> so here, you just put thing. a try at the start of your main yeah. and then that way the whole thing is caught. No problems. Fail safe. <laughs> but uh no, so the deal is uh, I'm going to end up doing that null check anyway. So even if I did if um, my yeah, but orders, in that example, you couldn't though. I could so not I if could it did, do, if you did a dot first order default first or default dot and first fail. or default returned a null. Oh no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, that wouldn't work. No, no, first or default is. <laughs> I the, like the way oh, you waved your yeah, finger yeah, when like, you did it. No, no, no. <laughs> no, there's a semicolon after your first or default. Yeah, uh, absolutely right. semicolon, and I checked null. And the thing is, like, if I said, um, you know, if length then get element, I'm still going to do that null check, or I should. Because um, you can add null elements to a list, so it saves me uh, that if and the two brackets. Because you should do that all the time. Three lines of code saved by first or default. Thank so, you very much. So here, here's an example where uh, you know earlier I mentioned where I, a lot of times I am checking for the type, the, maybe null or, or empty. And my favorite, or one of my favorites, is the uh, dot aggregate. And quite often, like as I'm aggregating through that, I'll check to see. What is the you know the current value? You know what does its state look like, and this what am I trying to add to it? What what might it look like before I do anything with it? Aggregate is so cool. I wish I were better at it. <laughs> <laughs> like the few times I've used it, it's been fantastic. And I don't know what it would it would be a real pain to do it otherwise, but 
Man, I wish I were fluent. So, uh, how about this one? De-anonymize your lambdas. No. Nope. Never have I ever. No. Nope. Now, see, this This also brings in the question of when should you de-anonymize your lambdas? Like, like so, okay, that example that I gave, it was, it was took my screen <laughs> to see it, but it fit. Like, when when is the right point where I should say, okay, really, this it, is a lot of lines of code. It really should belong in a method that I might want to be able to recall from something else. Oh, we've all done it, right? Now, in that example, though, that I gave, never, ever wanted it anywhere else. I only needed it right there. That's why it was there. But it makes your link statement absolutely disgusting to look at, right? Like, you can't even find oh, the beginning. I looked at that and thought it was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> The example I saw in the um, C-Sharp Depth book was actually a place where he was doing the same thing three times. So if you can mm. imagine, like, you're doing some sort of logging and you're doing console.out in three different places and always uh, outputting the value, then you could set that um, that actual anonymous method to a variable rather than going through the overhead of creating three separate but equivalent anonymous methods, which has a lot of overhead. Okay, so then, so then we're drawing the line then as... If you have to do it a second time. If it's reusable, yeah. Now, if you only have to do it one time and it's a thousand lines long, you're okay with that. Uh, I might put that thousand lines in a method. And then <laughs> Actually, I, I would method. have a lot of problems with that. First <laughs> of all, why is it a thousand lines? <laughs> I love methods of methods. Methods with nothing but other methods in it. All right. And, and last of our uh, never have I ever cursed the lack of where not. Dear God. Oh, yes. That one's bad. I, like, I, I want that N-O-T there. I know it's the same saying, where, parenthesis, exclamation point. But I, I keep looking for it, too. I'm like, where's the where not? <laughs> if you, if you, do you think that if you were to continue looking like hard enough, like eventually, like, oh, there it is, the documentation. Well, sometimes I'm like, maybe it's called without. <laughs> or maybe it's called accept. No, accept is something different. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Or not contains. Yeah. Oh, not contains, man. Ah. Talk about inverse logic of SQL statement writing. <laughs> oh, it hurts. All right. Uh, so now we're going to get into the segment of our picks of the week or our tips of the week. And so uh, we kind of alluded to this. There is a fantastic piece of software out there that you can actually get for free. Or if you want to upgrade at some point, you can pay a little bit of money for it. It's called LinkPad. L-I-N-Q-P-A-D. All you have to do, we'll put a link in the show notes, but it's it's killer. You can literally take a SQL statement and turn it into into link syntax, or you can write link syntax and it'll turn it into query. I think, and I don't remember what the difference between the paid and the free version is, but like some of them will write out your SQL statement, your C sharp statement. It'll literally write everything out, and you can even operate on on system collections and all kinds of stuff. Like it's a killer piece of software. Well, you can actually write. You can actually write the code in it. Yes. So you can create a list and then run, create a select in there, and it'll show you what it would be. It's insane. In addition to, you can actually connect to databases and yep. do selects in it. And and speaking of, if you get that software, I highly recommend taking the time to, um, I think it's, uh, they have a database SQL script that comes with it. Take that and put it into a SQL Server Express or whatever you have. Because a lot of the uh, the examples in there will not run properly if you don't hook it up to it. 
and you can gain just a, a a huge amount of knowledge by just playing with the examples that they already have set up for you. So definitely check that out. It's if you're trying to learn Link and you really want to get into this stuff and and believe it, it can it can really change the way you code and it, it makes it a little bit more elegant and actually easier to follow. Check that stuff out. It's it's a killer killer app. Yeah, and LinkPad Pro is actually only thirty nine dollars. So, you know, we developers get a decently a decent hourly rate. So, you know, this thing's going to pay for itself in no time. Yeah. All right, and my tip of the week actually, uh, Alan turned me onto this after I kept uh, running over my headphone cables with my chair, <laughs> and then failing at fixing them. <laughs> so, uh, there's a company out there um, that actually makes. Uh, there's probably more than one, but there are companies out there that make headphones with modular cables. So if one cable dies, you just swap it out with another one. And we'll have a link in the show notes to the, the pair I actually really like that Alan recommended. But uh, this is really fantastic, too, because I've got a long cable and a short cable. And if I'm walking around doing laundry with my big-ass headphones on, I'll, <laughs> I'll use that shorter cable down in my pocket. And then if I'm just kind of wheeling around the office, I'll use that longer cable and uh, run the risk of running over it again. Yeah, I, I can't tell you like how sad I was. I had a pair of Sure that I loved, and cable started to go, and there was nothing I could do about it. <sighs> Break out the soldering iron, right? Could oh, do that. Yeah, I mean, I, at that point, I was like, it's not even worth it. Mm. Yeah, they were too far gone. Yeah. Yeah, so with that, uh, my pick of the wheat is, uh, I don't know how new this one is. It was fairly new to me, at least. It was a... App in the Windows App Store called Tweedium. It's uh, two ninety nine, and this is just a fantastic little Twitter client that I found. Um, you know, if you're a fan of Twitter, um, I just really like it. it was it kind of had a uh, almost a tweet deck like feel about it, but um, it does uh, live uh, scrolling of the of the your timeline, unlike the official Twitter client. And uh, so, yeah, I was, I was a big fan of it. Uh, Tweedium. Yeah, make sure you follow at Coding Blocks on Twitter. Yes, yes. This is why you need this, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, I forget to mention that. <laughs> hey, Marcus. You might, you might even be able to hear something about the, uh, the Alan drinking game. Yes. Hey, hey, we've only done one drink to that, by the way. That's Has true. there only been the one drink? Yes. Well, are we counting the day? Or are we counting <laughs> just the episode? <laughs> yeah, the day would be a different story. I think we've given Alan a complex now. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Uh, we've definitely, every now and then when he when he catches himself saying it. So, uh, we also wanted to, to mention a couple additional resources. Uh, we said there were whole books written about Link. Um, the one that I looked at in particular is Link in Action. We'll have a, a link to that in the, the notes. Also, um, I think all of us watched Scott Allen's um, set of videos on Plural Sites. He's actually got two. We'll have the link to those. Um, those are fantastic. Um, also, you know, I mentioned. Well, we go over the names. One of them, one of them was called Link Fundamentals, and the other one was called uh, Link Architecture. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he really did. Four thumbs up. Yeah. Um, link Architecture. Yep, yeah, we just mentioned that. Um, there's also the um, C Sharp and Depth book, which uh, we've mentioned quite a few times. And there was a, another great uh, uh, lecture on on Plural Site that was by uh, I might mispronounce his name here Dan uh, Whalen. It was a C Sharp Events Delegates and Lambdas, and that was a, another great resource of information there. Yep, fantastic. 
And also, uh, we mentioned Aspectacular a little bit earlier as an example of Link, so we wanted to pimp that. Uh, that's a buddy of ours who's, who's working on that, and it's a, a really cool take on Aspect-Oriented Framework, so uh, go check that out and uh, see some really cool um, uses of Link and Expression Trees. Specifically, check that out on GitHub. So that's about it for this week. Um, we talked about uh, Link quite a bit, and uh, we'll be putting the links to our Link stuff in the show notes. <laughs> I, I like how you phrase that. Yeah. Link to our Link. Not Ooh. awkward at all. <laughs> link, Link. And that'll be at uh, www.codingblocks.net slash episode 6. Yep, and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. Be sure to give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And uh, just like Ken did, contact us with a question or topic and leave your name and preferred method of shout-out, whether that be your website, Twitter account, Facebook, whatever. And if we use your question, we will mention you on the podcast with said information. And uh, if you do leave us a review on iTunes and we happen to see that your comments there, you'll probably more than likely make it onto the show because we have a dearth of those right now. So visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find the show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. Java.